Her home had become the thing she most desperately wanted to leave. It was not because of her so-called father or the cage in which she was kept. It was that she felt limited and forced into hiding from the world outside. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42 Minutes and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2018 and today for 42 Minutes we'll sing the song of Jade by meeting with her author... Oh my gosh, Nigelia! I did it wrong. <laughs> it's okay, Nigelia. Nigelia McLean. Two worlds, one war, and a girl who lost her memories. Jade Lyron, the princess of Beta Island, is, is being held captive in a cage by her father, King Lyron. He believes that placing her in the cage filled with nature would be the cure for her lost thoughts. Suddenly, the island is under attack, and Jade escapes. She is then transported to an unknown world, told that the answers she seeks lie in a city beyond her home. Jade discovers that this city reveals more than the truth. It holds the doors to the power of love, friendship, and the pursuit of life. Her memories are the key to survival of both worlds. Nigelia, a.k.a. Niji. Gosh, I'm horrible. <laughs> Okay, Nige, Nye, Leah. I got like a couple of nicknames here and there. We can just go by Nye. Nye. Nye is a graphic designer mm-hmm. and illustrator. Song of Jade is her first book. We'll naturally link to it. And we'll also link to her website. Uh, awesome. Thank you. You bet. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just been really busy. I um, finished my master's and graduated in England back in December. So now I've just been kind of putting pieces together, saving up money because I would really love to travel again. And, you know, when you go away for about a year and come back and you realize, oh, I don't have that much money. Yeah. And you can't really go on your own if you don't have that much. So luckily I'm able to stay with family for a bit, save up, get some project and maybe some freelance done too, and just keep building and progressing and then eventually move out. So here's the question. You found us. How did you? I don't. What? How did you find the sync book? And and uh, you know, is just tell me the story about how you found us. How I found you guys. Um, I was basically doing a lot of research. You know, Google's the like biggest search engine, one of the largest search engines out there. And then when I saw your whole um way of promoting books and. Not even just that, but I like the idea that you discuss like fantasy and universal topics. And I was like, oh, I really want to reach out to that because I feel that Song of Jay, this type of storybook, has a touch on reality, but it's all visually pushed towards like a fantasy like atmosphere. So I felt like when I was looking at all these different names, when I searched, when I searched um, different companies that were having these podcast talks. I just felt that this one would really work out for me and hoping that would get feedback back. And now we had that conversation and here we are talking. Here we are. <laughs> and so then do you have any, like a lot of the times on this show we talk about meaning, um, but then 
in some of the other material, there's like ideas about Gnosticism and different spiritual ideas. Did, did any of that inform your writing or was it really this, this world that captured your attention that you just kind of explored? Well, Song of Jade, it's actually the idea of this whole story in general came to me around the end, I would say actually midway 2015. So right before I graduated, graduated my bachelor's, it was about May-ish. And, you know, I I sat with one of my friends because I was talking to, actually it was like one of my fellow art uh, classmates. And I was like, yo, like I had this interesting dream and it was about like some princess that goes on this journey but it had a really island, Caribbean, like, fantasy. And it was just random, but it came to me. But I just didn't know how I wanted to push it in terms of a plot. And then when I got the opportunity to go do my master's in England, I kind of just really wanted to get that chance to pursue that story again. You know, when you, when you have, like, a story idea, you know, an idea is just an idea until you actually make it happen. So when I was given that chance, at first, the story didn't really have such a, um, purposeful plot until I was able to really like look deep into what has happened actually in my past and kind of relate that to the book itself. And now it's more than just, you know, a fantasy story. Like the whole call to action about it is the effects of divorce and separation on millennials in today's world. Mm-hmm. That is actually like the plot of it, but it's overlaid with fantasy and subtle metaphors that can connect to reality in a sense so then did you know who jade was right right from the moment you had the dream or is she some somebody that you kind of had to figure out as you as you Um, explored this world i think jade was always a piece of me but not entirely me because i kind of wanted to still have this person still be its own person but as I continued forward, I really wanted her to have this sort of build up similar to what I have had to do during my like younger teenage years to especially now. And what's great about Song of Jade is I've decided to pursue it into three parts. So this is actually part one of a trilogy. And the way I'm having it pushed is that this is like the beginning where I was still trying to like figure out these situations and dealing with these parental issues, not knowing how to discover myself, but more so focusing on the problem that didn't want to be solved. So that's kind of like what the book shows, that um, inner struggle that Jade faces, but also the external struggle she's going to face as well. It's really fascinating to me. I guess every piece of art is its own little creature, but 2015 to now... It's it's not a, a ton of time. So, what was writing this like? Was it something that you just had to get out, and that you were just every free moment you're writing, 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 or do you feel like you're more disciplined and you have this writing practice, and it's just a something that it has come through your your normal routine? Um, what's crazy is that the idea came in 2015. I really didn't start writing it properly until like. January of 2017 when we actually had to work on our final project and I don't know everything kind of just came to me and I just write so I felt like you know I think I've always done poetry on the side besides being like just a graphic designer and I'm also an athlete too I play basketball so like besides being an athlete but being like a graphic designer like I started pursuing my strengths in writing 
and I realized like, Hey, like I'm kind of good at it and I really can able to communicate, um, feelings and emotions and, um, phases of time into a book. And I, luckily there was a library on campus that I, I went to school at was 24 seven. So I was always like in the library, just writing, writing, writing. And like, when I get in the flow of something, I just keep going. And I think that's what I was able, why I was able to finish the book. And obviously I had to do edits after, um, around the summertime just to really like get the nitpicks and really simplify certain stuff just so things are clear and not to run on when people read it. Because I feel like even though I write it, it may not make sense to somebody else. So I have to really simplify and pay attention to certain parts. So in terms of the book itself, I was able to finish it in a matter of like a couple months, but to like finalize it, it wasn't until October. Mm-hmm. And then what, what was it that made you do this? I guess that you wanted to tell her story or that you, that, you know, there was something that you needed to know. I think it was, it was almost as if it was a, like a peace of mind for me as well. I just felt like this kind of story would be so important today because I don't think, so I don't think all stories really like to touch upon this topic because it is a sensitive topic. And I think it would be the first time you ever kind of put the idea of divorce in a sense of an actual war, like it's a physical war between two locations ruled by both her parents which eventually she doesn't find out till later. But it's just one of those things where I just, I was really passionate about it and I was able to, you know, take bits and pieces of my life. And also the characters in the book are reflected off people that I've met when I was overseas, as well as some people of like my family life as well. So it was, it was just an interesting way of collaborating everything, but also still like staying true to the plot and what the call to action was. And then have you gotten any feedback from people who don't know you personally so that they, they read this and then they don't know any of you know th- those possibilities for symbols and things? And so they just have to know that this is a, this is a world and here's Jade and her father and, and then later we, we meet her, her mother, the queen. Um, I just wonder, like for me, I was kind of struck with the idea of there's the masculine and the feminine and there is kind of this war between like the right and the left brain and there's more of a an artistic side and a scientific side and it does feel like our world's kind of out of balance in a in a mm-hmm. large way and we have the this this war between kind of like a science and religion or uh you know art and math and it it, it so there there's interesting things that you're tapping into on and the and the idea that she's in a cage was really interesting too yeah so how i how i kind of came up with that was you know i actually really looked into like how my mother acts and how my dad acts and Obviously, reality, they're not together anymore, my real, my real father and my mother. But I kind of wanted to separate the world and kind of based on off their brain, kind of how they act personality-wise and how, like, that their whole location would reflect off how they are. So, and for my mother's side, Korea City, that's more technological and, like, science-based, but she also has still, like, some emotions for things. So that's why 
I kind of want to make one world very like heavy on spiritual, which is Beta Island, but Korea City more the advanced world because my mother's very big on logic and she's she's very blunt when something she tells something. Yeah. Whereas the emotional part, they kind of kind of like try to overshadow it. So I so I was trying to like push that whole like two locations and separate them because they're just two like kind of different people. Yeah, they come together in certain aspects in terms of how they relate to one another, but at the same time, they're two different places and they have different beliefs. And that's kind of how I was able to create the world's beta island and Korea City and have it relate to the actual, like, my parents themselves. Naming is always a really interesting thing. It can be really powerful, too. Some, where did you come up with some of these names? Um, I actually, again, it's one of those things where it kind of just hit me. Like, for Beta Island, I don't know, I just felt that even though it's, like, Beta is just, like, a prototype kind of name to it. Like, that's the whole definition of what Beta would be. Oh, but, sure. Like, yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. A, yeah, yeah, but in a sense, it's like, I, I don't know, I just I just had, like, I just felt like it was right. Even even when people kept asking me, well, don't you want to change Jay's name? I was like, for some reason, I can't think of another name I'd want to name her. I just felt like she had to be Jade. Like, that's just how... I was pretty strong about it, too. It was like, I don't see any other name. And people were like, well, why is the song of Jay when it's not about singing? I was like, well, it's not really the point of singing. It's the idea that when you think of a song or when you think of something that, you know, music moves people. So this is sort of like a written part of her life. It's sort of like you're reading into what her song is and what she goes through step by step. Like when you listen to a song, you don't just kind of listen to the end. You're going to listen from beginning to end and you really get an idea of what's going on when you hear that song and that's kind of how I was connecting the title to her itself in a way but I also do have I did have somebody um review my book that wasn't a close family or friend or anything it was sort of we exchanged books and he gave me like a really positive review on it and would you like his name sure yeah so um his name is Carlos J. Malev Malev I think it's Miles Malev and he's um, an author, a motivational speaker, educator for upstate New York. And I got in touch with him. He gave me his book, and I got to review a little bit on it. And he, I gave him mine, and he did a review, and he said that, um, that it was wonderful. said, her storytelling ability is amazing. She is able to create a story that is relatable to all and has a clear purpose. I would highly recommend everyone to read Nigelia's work and learn from her. You would not regret it, I promise. And he did this on LinkedIn for me. Mm-hmm. on my book song well, so, so that's someone I've got and and then what about so that you the book has been out since December of 2017 about it's like end of October end of October and so mm-hmm. it, it's it's always interesting to see I mean so books are kind of an older technology at this point and people are doing like video stuff and so like there's still storytelling but um so I guess why a book too? Why why uh, kind of the old media? Well, at first, first I had this big idea when I was talking to my teacher back in England about my project, which was Song of Jade. And I was like, when I gave my presentation, I was like, I wanted to do like a walkthrough promo of the book. So like my idea was to create a scene that sort of like puts you in the story of Song of Jade to get people more intrigued to read it. So it's kind of like, a marketing strategy design I came up with. But my teacher's like, 
yeah, we don't have that much space. And I'm like, oh, so we're not going to do that. So I was really excited because that's what I really wanted to do. I want to do like these voiceovers, giving people like characters interviews and people can listen to them. Sort of like as if you were going to, I don't know, walk into like a little scene of what's to come, say for like Pixar or Disney, like that kind of feel. You'd be like, okay, I can see where the story's going to go. I'm really interested to see what, like how it's going to be told, vice versa. But I wanted to push a book. And also, like, uh, since I have illustrations in it, be more eye-catching, just because, I, like, today I, I still believe in, after doing some research, people still read books, as funny as it sounds. And obviously now they're on tablets and phones. So yeah. I've, I made my readable to be on a phone or on an iPad, tablet, so that um, it's a diverse object, not just for, you know, handheld um, physical book. It can be on technolo- technological device- devices as well. And I think that's yeah. what's kind of important. But yeah, like, that, like at first I really thought, oh, it's just a book. But after like asking people and doing um, like a survey, people like still like they were like, they agree they still read books. Like even if it's such an old base, it's still knowledge is knowledge and people still read. You know, I, I think that's, I think it's kind of interesting how it doesn't really die out with books. Obviously, in certain aspects, but now the whole idea of books being bought is now like through online ways, not necessarily at bookstores. So like people are buying it more online than going to physically get it from what research I've done. And so how do you feel about, uh, about the process now um, and, and the reception of the book? Do you feel like, um, do you feel good about the whole process? Uh, I felt pretty confident about it. Obviously I knew that, because I'm not such a big-time author, you're obviously not going to get a lot of people to buy your book right away. Yeah. So I do have a plan that, yeah, it's it's tough because like, you can't just expect everyone to buy this book from Wait, Amazon. Like, it's, it's not just, how it works. Right. How do you get people to even see you, you know? Yeah, so I did a couple like Facebook videos, talked to different people, kind of like try to reach out more and more here and there. But I think it's just the idea of that just to keep like pushing it. Again, Like I tell myself, like, oh, well, I've, this is a three-part book. And my plan is to finish, like, when I finish all three, then push it to publishers. And then it'll get more publicity. Because I feel like I don't want to push this one book because I have two other parts to do. And that's where, I, like, I'd rather have the whole set. They see it. Like, okay, this is a great, like, way of promoting this book. And I kind of remind myself that just to say positive about the whole process is that it took J.K. Rowling five years to release Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Properly. So, like, you know, for everyone in the world to buy it and, like, yo, I want it and, like, be the top seller, it took five years just because she had to finish the whole thing and find the right publisher and then get everything published and pushed out to people. And everyone loved it at that point because she was getting the publicity. Obviously, if you're just, you know, like, you're not, like, ridiculously known author, like, I'm not known as an author, but if you're just a start, then it's, just, it's like a, it's a process. You have to be patient. That's one thing I had to learn how to learn how to be patient. One of the subjects that we really enjoy on on this show is the idea of synchronicity. Is that a word that you've ever heard before? Synchronous. Can you define it for me a little bit? Sure. I've heard of it, but I just want to... Well, so basically synchronicity is kind of this... It, it, it was a term developed by a guy named Carl Jung, and he was trying to figure out... It's like serendipity where or coincidence, but it's not just coincidence. It's meaningful coincidence, and so... It's it's kind of the 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 idea of things in sync, but with with meaning. 
Do you okay. F- do you feel like that's a force that's at play in your life at all? I would say so, yes. I would say that's some, I that's where it's, it's actually a big part of my life, just because the fact that, you know, if I had to speak personally, um, like being a, being a basketball player and athlete, and I never knew my artistic side would actually play into effect, or even like basketball becoming that big for me because I wasn't good when I started. And everyone was just like, oh, you'll get your um, genetics from your father. But my father ended up going to prison when I was a kid. And he was in there for about like 10, 13 years of my life, like growing up. So the idea that, you know, I wanted to pursue basketball, not just because it was something to do. It was because I felt like I just wanted a change in my life. And I felt like I was getting pressures by both sides to do different things. And I felt basketball was making me more confident as I kept doing it. And I didn't think it would ever be a process. At one point, I wanted to stop it. So it's almost coincidence that even if I was to avoid basketball, basketball was still going to be a part of my life. And it actually led me to accomplishing one of my dreams, which was going to school overseas and still playing basketball. Like, And, and I ended up going to England for it. And I said this was my dream back in 2011 and I accomplished it in 2017. So it's kind of, it's interesting. The book itself is interesting. So you said you were, you had the idea in 2015 when you're getting your bachelor's at a, at a design school, right? Mm-hmm. But then it was, yep. it's, it's the, uh, the basketball and the, you know, the design school in England that allowed you to make this thing happen. Yeah, and like, you know, like I said, I mentioned before about like ideas, just the ideas until it happens. So, you know, I was just like, oh, like, because, you know, not many people would be like, oh, I'm going to go write a book. And you know how much patience it takes to write a book properly, write one. It takes a lot from what I've learned. And, you know, just having this idea and kind of just throwing it on the table for my teacher. And she was actually like pretty excited about it and wanted me to do it. And the fact that I physically done it, got to do like a mini showcase to show um, the illustration and the poster of the cover of my book, the book itself physically, you know, it felt, I just felt really proud because I knew this was in my head back in 2015 and now it's actually in real life here. Yeah. So I, again, like that's the whole secret, the whole like, secret and the sa- secret thing. I can't ever say the word. So it's like, now, now I feel like you when you're saying my name. So, um, yeah, it's crazy, you know, it's, it's the idea of, like, from 2011, I didn't ex- actually feel like I was going to accomplish my dream of going to England or anywhere overseas in 2017, same as with Song of Jade. I didn't expect in 2015, and I, a book idea just randomly come to my dream, and I'm actually, I physically made it happen two years later, so it's kind of those things where I just maybe, like, the universe just wanted it to happen. Because it wasn't even a guarantee I was going overseas because with visas and um, restrictions of people allowing to go over who they accept internationally from for the school, especially master's programs, you know, I guess it was what it, it was meant to be. That's kind of how I see it. And I'm just forever grateful about it. What about the basketball now? Is it something a hobby still or are you going to pursue uh, more? Yeah. I play in um, a local league right now. It just started like two weeks ago. I'm a little rusty because it's been a while. And, you know, obviously I love the sport. I, I think that basketball has changed my family, like my mother's side, because 
my, my like I can come home and my grandma's watching NBA on the TV. I'm just you know it's funny because like how many grandmas do you know watch NBA like <laughs> when you come home? <laughs> it's like oh Celtics are playing tonight. Oh so I'm like and she's so into it. I I love it. Like mom, my, my mom's the same way too sometimes. But just my grandma's so into it and she loves it. My little brother who's he's three years old. I guess my mom decided to wait 22 years to have another child, so it's a huge age gap. And um, like. He's, and he's into it, too. And I remember we took him first swim lesson, and we went to show, like, they were playing, little kids were playing in the basketball court, and I showed him they had a game. And I was like, oh, we got to leave. And he got mad because he didn't want to leave. He like he just likes, he loves watching basketball. And I'm just like, I feel like me playing and just, you know, what I've been accomplishing year by year as a process of my life just has been positively impacting my family. And even actually friends and people that, know me and them impacting as well they actually are inspired how much like hard work i've put into things and where i am now yeah and then it's interesting that you couple that with art at the same time so is that just something that you've always had a, a gift for why you know what what drew you to like design and illustration i feel like i know why it was it was nike actually like Besides just being a basketball player, and you know when you're young, like when you play a sport, you want to just, and you love sports, keep in mind, if you love sports, you just want to excel at sport. But your body can only do sports for so long, and it's a very, very competitive thing to get into. But what I've felt when I was, um, when I got to high school, I think what inspired me to pursue graphic design and all that is actually like the Nike ads and Adidas ads, all the sports marketing and advertisement kind of inspired me to do design just because I love the way they um, use typography. And I obviously I didn't know that word back then, but now I know it. Typography, the way the balance of the images were, the color, the line work, like I just, that always kind of fascinated me in a sense. And I love the idea of branding and how they're able to take an athlete and brand that athlete and make a successful design business out of what he or she does and I, that always intrigued me and I think that at the end of the day that comes down back to the base of things which is storytelling and I think back like back then growing as a kid like I played video games and I was big on Final Fantasy and anything that had a story that would make me want to keep playing it I was very intrigued by like I love Disney movies love anime movies love anything that had a good story I was intrigued by so I think at the end of the day like I would consider myself a graphic designer, but truthfully, I'm a storyteller. That's an artist. And I believe all artists are storytellers, but that's what I'm most inspired by is the story. I, I just heard there was a really uh, kind of fun story on, uh, I think I heard it on the radio, but there was a guy who was working at like a LA gear, some sneaker, sneaker, um, he was like, just, I don't know what he did, but it wasn't, he wasn't a designer, but he totally wanted to design. And every day he would put mm -hmm. it, he, they had a little box and he would do a new design every day. And then one day the, the boss brought him in and he had like all 300 of his sketches on the table. And he's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> tell me what you want to do if I were to have you design a shoe. And, you know, eventually he, he was able to design shoes and then most recently i think he has a design school now in in portland oh yeah yeah because portland's um that's like one of the bases for nike i believe 
Yes. That, that would yeah, totally make sense. Yeah. But it was, it's, yeah, it was just interesting. Um, in terms of your art, what kind of things do you, uh, that cap capture your, your fantasy or, you know, what is it, what it is it that you like to create? I think that well, for me personally, I like to create stories that people can relate to, but in different perspectives. And I think that's why I enjoyed writing Song of Jay. But even just as a graphic designer, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by fine arts, but also by digital arts. So I've always enjoyed, I like going to museums and seeing like old things because they tell a lot of stories. But it's also inspiring to, to like create something new, but inspired by something old. And obviously, um, I can't remember the, like, the author's name, but the book still like an artist is true to fact because not everything's truly original. It's always kind of taken from something else or pieces of it. And, you know, Song of Jay is similar to that. Like I've taken pieces from story inspiration. Um, the video game Kingdom Hearts I've taken inspiration from because the idea of memories always kind of took a toll for me. And I really wanted to reflect that emotion and the idea of how like the past can affect your present or the past is a piece of, what makes you stronger, that kind of thing. You know, I think that's that's what all artists do is they take pieces of what they're inspired by and create their own beginning or their own idea of art into a physical form. And then this whole cast of characters that you created, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of them. When you... Yeah, they're all people. Do the people, do they recognize themselves? I actually, uh, when I, when I, I told, I told most like, most of them when I'm like, Hey, you're going to be in my book, but this is your name and this is your, how your character looks and this is how it's going through. And ironically, the way I wrote it and not everyone would know who's who, but if you know, knew what I was doing at the time and you, we had that conversation, then you know who I'm talking about in the book. But personally, I really wanted to stay true to their personalities as how I knew them as people. And, you know, the powers they were given, whether they have powers or don't have powers, the way they talk to Jade or way to interact with other people. I was really staying true to how I knew the person in real life versus how they reflect the character in the book to create that honest emotion. And I think that's, that's, honest, well, that's what I was trying to portray in the characters is this, this whole honesty of, you know, magical creatures into real people, real, like real authentic emotions and sort of relaying that to reality and then do you think you know, do you do you have new ones that'll show up in the part two and three or do you see some of these people kind of disappearing after a while or uh for part two i have a couple new coming in that i've discussed with them as well and i know how i'm going to be training them in the story but what i it's funny because when I finished one, I got really excited for two. More excited for two than for one. Because one, I just felt like it's a lot about Jade, which in terms of the trilogy, I really want to make sure book one got a lot across in what Jade is, what she symbolizes, and her interaction with people in the book. For part two, it really focuses on the characters that Jade has met and seeing their story and how they're getting through certain situations. Obviously, you're still going to have parts going through Jade because... It's called Song of Jade as a title, but you're going to be seeing more and more of the other characters and how they're progressing and what they're dealing with on that level. A lot of 
a lot of suspenseful things will change. Someone, I think I'm going to have one of the main characters die, potentially, just because in real life, me and this individual aren't in ties anymore. Do like So I really, again, like, going back to, I want to create, like, this real authentic, like, phase of how things are flowing toward, in my life, but also, like, to create the honest reflection of sometimes you just lose people in your life and that really happens. Not necessarily death, but to metaphorically speaking, it just may not be the same anymore. Now, it's uh, it's funny because as a, as people who enjoy art, it's really easy to criticize a work, you know, just because from the outside, you know, it's like uh, you can just take it for what it is and... But it's not until you actually do it do you realize how very hard creating can be. You know, just writing for I don't even know why. It's just so much work. Um, yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, is, it, what, is there a part of this that you really thought, you know, like this is your favorite part or that you enjoy the most? Um, part. I think my favorite part is... <laughs> It's towards like when Jade arrives at Korea City and she's kind of meeting all the characters. And, you know, there's parts where you see kind of Jade's like attitude kind of jump out. You know, you think she's just this, um, like, and it's not innocent character, but you know, like she's a princess and she's going through these tough times. So she seems a bit like, like flustered or overwhelmed. So it's understanding why she would be confused or questioning a lot of things about herself or about even what's really around her. But as you she gets to Korea City and you see, like, the next couple of chapters or so, you just see this personality, like, come out and she's actually, like, pretty funny in certain scenes or how she has these quick comebacks. And it's it's nice to, like, see that because then you start to say, like, oh, she, like, she's actually, like, pretty funny or she's an interesting character. She doesn't just have this sort of struggle. She more so can just be a very vibrant person at the same time. So I think that I think one of my favorite scenes was they had, you know, she's going through the hallway and Brantley, one of the um, the Queen's head head um advisor, crosses paths with her and he starts yelling at her because he thinks that she's a soldier that's not at the position she's supposed to be. He's like, oh no, I'm the princess, and he starts laughing because he doesn't believe her. And then Nitro comes in, who's like um, the head of technology, and he like zaps Brantley and, and like obviously like Nitro's a bit of a troublemaker but also like really kind at the same time and him and Brantley always bump heads but he's just like we just met this girl literally like 10 minutes ago and you really forgot this is the, this is the princess so it's like they, again like these are kind of like the little interactions that actually happen in real life they always these people always have these little conflicts but they're very close to each other at the end of the day and I really want to express that sort of humor to Song of Jade and not just have it be strictly this war and these dark sides or these emotions going about. There's funny scenes too. What was the hardest part to write? Ooh, the hardest part was to write when Rex breaks Jade's heart because that sort of relates to me when this individual hurt me. So I had to really... I felt in order for me to convey the best way possible of this scene was to actually emotionally write it out and not necessarily like 
to backlash anybody, vice versa. I had to speak in all perspectives emotionally and how, you know, people deal with heartbreak on both sides. So regardless of whether Jade is right, whether Rex is wrong, whether Rex is right and Jade is wrong, it's the idea that, you know, these things happen and, you know, not there's no real right or wrong answer. It's just that it just becomes a time thing and how pain takes time. And sometimes it just changes people and the friendship or relationship won't be the same. So that, that part was tough for me because I actually authentically really cared about that individual. And I knew that in the book, I'm going to have to make that, create this sort of scene where a lot of people can relate to emotionally and see the frustration that both are dealing with for each other. So I think that was the toughest part I'd write. And then when it's all, when it's all done, you know, from an emotional standpoint, how do you feel? What, what's your relationship to the work itself? You know, so you can see how parts of it are you and then parts of it are, you know, it, the work itself, does that, does it bring you peace or do you know, do you have to continue? Does it, what does it do for your heartache? I guess. Uh, it brought me peace in a sense that there are times that I, I admit I wasn't right in real, like real life situation relating to the book. There were times I wasn't right when it came to me and this individual and Writing it out kind of made me think, you know, like, everyone's human. And regardless of whatever happened, like, I think the whole unconditional part really does take a toll in that. Like, I'll always unconditionally love that person or really, like, care about that individual, even if they may not see me that way anymore. I just feel like people are always going to be people, but not everyone's going to be care the same way as you. And by writing out these scenes and kind of just really taking a grasp on how I wrote Song of Jaden. Even I just recently finished like the draft for how part two is going to kind of flow. And it kind of just made me realize, you know what, like I'm slowly at a real acceptance of it just because, you know, this is authentically what happens. And, you know, it only made me stronger. And I think that Jade kind of gave me that peace of mind for it. And I hope, it can relate to a lot of young women today too, even young girls that deal with that growing up and it's tough. It's not easy, but hopefully it makes them stronger and not weaker. That's what I hope like Jay kind of would impact people, even for guys too. Cause even though some people don't think that guys are emotional, they are guys do cry. So I hope that Jade's like that figure for strength, but also the other characters be figures for people in the millennial generation as well, because they go through different types of heartbreak or separation that can relate to reality. Well, so you're, you're, you've got a master's in design now, you're a young person. What, yep. What's next for you? What, what are you, what are you looking to do? Uh, next for me, it's, it's, it's so many paths. Like I was really excited to have this conversation with you. Cause I'm like, Oh, I got to finally talk to somebody. I can be on a podcast. Cause then, you know, Jay can take it hopefully a couple steps further and I can really get some notability for it, but not even just that. Um, I still love basketball, but you know, lately I've been really into my artwork and I really want to pursue the arts and my design, hopefully like something in my field or even with a company, but I'm kind of like all open arms for anything that has to do with storytelling. 
I'm passionate about Nike. I'm passionate about Disney, Pixar, all that. So I've just been really like applying myself to different places, but more importantly, building my portfolio before I do that. Because I just feel as long as I have something that's strongly representative and, you know, the masters has helped me giving me those pieces, but now I got to really piece everything together and make sure it's organized and then get it out. Cause I would love to go back overseas again. I really enjoyed it there. And it's just a really great experience. I recommend anybody to get the opportunity to do it. Cause you're going to see the world in different ways that you wouldn't hear in America. And where were you in London? Is that correct? Um, I was in Nottingham. So that's about, um, two hours, two, it's like two, about two, three hours away from London. So it's north towards Scotland a bit more. And so what was it about that experience that gave you a, a new perspective? Well, I mean, it's the farthest I've ever been home, away from home. Like my mother, and me and my mother bumped heads about it for a while because she was not about me going, she was not about it for me to go overseas because she felt it was like a waste of time, a.k.a. she didn't want me to leave home. That's how really what it came down to. But, um, like, England, and just, I think, like, if you just look at the UK in general, like, compared to the States, there's a lot of similarities, but I just felt emotionally, it really did change my life, just the people I met, what I was doing, and, like, design, meaning actually people from all over the world. Like, I think I was the only American in my art class. Yes, I was the only American in my art class. The rest were someone from, like, China, um, Korea, you got someone from Egypt, Saudi Arabia, like all these different, everyone's like mainly international in my class. Maybe it was only like a few people from England and that was it. The rest were all international. So it was nice to really like connect with all these different artists on different platforms around the world. And then just, I don't know, just being in a new, in a new part, like, you know, you're a new part of a world for a year. Like I didn't come home. My, my family came to see me from time to time, but I was over there on my own realistically doing what I got to do and you know help me really grow as an adult I just think it I think your views just really change on when you're away from home or out, out of your comfort zone especially and having to adapt to the different changes and different people and getting a grasp of hey like I'm kind of really open to now just exploring more of the world and just learning new things because I think that not everybody in America gets that opportunity, but not everyone in America sees like other countries' points of views, and because they don't know how life is where they are. Well, that was forty-two minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you for having me. You bet. You've been listening to Nigelia. I did it again. It's not. McLean on 42 Minutes, production of SickBook Radio on SickBook.com. Check out her website, to which we'll link more information about the SickBook, our guests. To check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit the website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others as currently all the SyncBook radio archives are free. We also feature a search engine to help you find what you need. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much, and it was unconditional love, the real magic in this world.